This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. We're here today with Wharton professors Ulrich Dorozelski and Michael Sinkinson, who have some very interesting and timely research to share with us about the upcoming broadcast incentive auction. So as you know, the FCC wants to reclaim spectrum or the airwaves and reallocate them for mobile broadband use. That's the spectrum you use when you log into Facebook on your phone. Specifically, the FCC wants to reclaim so-called low-band spectrum in the 600 megahertz range. This is valuable spectrum that can travel over long distances and penetrate buildings better. The FCC wants to buy spectrum licenses from TV stations who use these airwaves and resell them to mobile phone companies such as Verizon and AT&T, as well as other people who want them. The way the FCC is doing this is through an incentive auction in which TV stations will put up licenses for sale, and during the same stage of the auction, phone companies and other buyers will put in bids to buy. So overall, there are about 8,500 operating TV stations that own Spectrum licenses across the country. And there are 2,166 broadcast licenses eligible for the auction. Each license is for a 6 megahertz block of Spectrum covering a particular geographic area for over-the-air TV signals. TV stations that choose to sell their licenses can do three things. Go off the air, relocate, or share Spectrum with another station. The research found by Ulrich and Michael showed that there is a way for TV stations to sort of game the system, if you will, and walk away with billions of dollars more. And their findings also have implications um, of market concentration in the broadcast industry, something that the FCC cares a lot about. So it's all laid out in their paper, Ownership Concentration and Strategic Supply Reduction. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So first, to set the context, tell us what your paper is all about, what you studied exactly, and what you found out. Sure. And uh, I start by mentioning this is joint work with a couple of other co-authors, Katja Syme and Pei-Jun Wang of the Wharton School, who uh, aren't with us today. Um, but that was a great introduction to, to what we're looking into. I mean, the FCC is doing something very ambitious. This has never been done before, trying to buy back Spectrum uh, in, in one market, repack the, the remaining TV stations, and then sell a nice continuous nationwide band of Spectrum in another market to the wireless carriers. Um, uh, expectations are very high in terms of the proceeds that can be generated. They think that there could be upwards of $45 billion paid in by the wireless carriers for this newly freed up Spectrum. So this is a big deal uh, on its surface. And uh, where we got interested in this is when, when we noticed that after this was announced, a number of private equity firms started buying up licenses to TV stations. And they seemed to be kind of particular TV stations, not just any TV stations. They weren't buying major network affiliates. They were not buying NBC Philadelphia. They were buying mostly independent stations, smaller stations. And what we started to set, uh, what we set out to discover is what, what were they up to? Were they just going to flip these or is there something else they could potentially do? And so what we do in this paper is we try to assess the extent to which they can change the outcome of the auction by owning multiple TV licenses. So the, the auction is very cleverly designed. It has a lot of very attractive properties. Um, for example, TV license holders are shown a personalized price, basically based on the desirability of their license to this overall process. So it's very cleverly designed. And if you just own a single TV broadcast license, this mechanism is great. You should basically just tell the truth. 
So you're shown a price and you should stay in this auction as long as the price shown to you is above your true value of this broadcast asset. So this is, this is great. The, the complication arises when you have owners of multiple broadcast licenses. All of a sudden, you might have a weird incentive. You might say, actually, I'm going to pull one of my licenses out of the auction because that might raise the closing price and basically increase my total proceeds from this whole process. And so that, the, the, the point of this paper was to assess the extent to which firms might be able to do that as they acquire multiple licenses uh, going into the auction. So tell us specifically how TV stations that own several Spectrum licenses in a market can take advantage of the auction process for their benefit, and how much money can they stand to gain from that? Sure. So the process is kind of straightforward. I, if I can control multiple licenses in this process, uh, if I withdraw one, it means the FC is going to have to buy a different one instead. And if I withdraw one that's kind of low value that we think should probably go out of, uh, out of business and should surrender its spectrum to the other market, if they take that one and say, no, I'm going to keep operating it, I'm going to keep broadcasting, well, then we're going to have to buy a different one instead. And that different one might be a more successful business, might be worth more money. And so the owner of that other one might ask for more money in order to surrender their license. But that means everyone in the market is going to get more for their licenses. And so that would drive up the closing price uh, that's needed in order to kind of clear the nationwide spectrum required for the other side of the market. So it's a, it's a very kind of straightforward mechanism of kind of exerting market power. You're going to uh, withdraw one license to r- drive up the closing price uh, for your other license that you hold. Now, of course, the strategy only really makes a lot of sense if that increase in closing price is big. Uh, in economics term, that means supply is inelastic. And so that's what we, we really set out to do in this paper. We try to figure out, well, what does supply of these licenses look like? So what we do is we undertake a very large-scale valuation exercise. We try and figure out, well, what is a broadcast license worth? And we do that for every single broadcast license in the U.S. And that allows us to figure out, well, what would happen if you were to withdraw one of your licenses from the auction? How much would the closing price change by? And so our main findings are that actually the effect would be quite large. So first of all, there's many markets where the effect is zero. Right now, there's actually markets with excess spectrum that you know, has never been allocated. Um, so in those areas, the price of spectrum for the FCC is basically zero. But in others, like, say, the Mid-Atlantic or the Northeast, there are a lot of TV licensees. And it turns out that uh, in, if you start withdrawing some of these licensees from the auction, the price can go up by a lot. And so what we find is that uh, in different scenarios that we run, the kind of total payout to TV license holders can increase by a third to a half, which is on the order of billions of dollars, as you said at the beginning. Ulrich, do you want to add something? Um, so I, I think there, you know, what's interesting about this is that uh, to a large extent, these higher prices, they're going to be paid for by wireless carriers. And, you know, you might think that's fine. You know, of course, ultimately, that's going to come from wireless customers. So, you know, that might give you some reason to pause. Uh, but what's worrying to us as economists is that some of the TV stations that should have been sold in the auction because they're not viable as, as ongoing businesses will actually be continued and as, as TV stations. And there's a real loss for society coming from that. And also, I, I think both of you mentioned in the paper that there's a loss of uh, efficiency. And let me quote from your paper here where it says, Strategic supply reduction also causes an inefficiency in that some broadcast licenses sold in the auction are of higher value as a broadcast business than broadcast licenses that are withheld. Could you explain what that means? Sure. So I, I, this is exactly this idea that, uh, that I'm going to pull something out of the auction. Instead of selling and surrendering my license, I'm going I'm to yank it. And that only makes sense if that was a license that would have sold otherwise. 
right? Because if it wouldn't have sold either either way, there's no effect on the auction. So this is a license that should be surrendered and you know kind of converted for use for mobile broadband. And the way I kind of profit from this strategy is I, I pull that one out of the auction and that increase my profits on my other licenses I'm selling in. And so if that's happening, that means that I've pulled this kind of low-value license out of the auction and I'm going to keep operating it as a broadcast uh, property. That kind of is not optimal from a society point of view. That's a station that we think should go out of business. And so by firms kind of engaging the strategy, they're increasing their own profits. But from society's point of view, we might not be surrendering the best set of assets into this auction uh, you know, in terms of uh, the lowest cost set of licenses to surrender this auction. And so that's the inefficiency that we, that we mentioned in the paper. And you also mentioned that three private equity firms have been actively acquiring TV stations in recent years, and these are Locust Point Networks, um, NRJ TV, and OTA Broadcasting. So why are their holdings significant in this uh, study? Sure. So uh, what this is part of what got us onto this is we noticed these firms were not only buying stations of a certain type, but they were, in fact, getting into bidding wars over stations that seemed to be not too valuable otherwise. So it kind of raised an obvious question of, of why, were, what, why were they doing this? And they've, uh, I believe we quote in the paper, they have about 43 broadcast licenses at this point. They spent hundreds of millions of dollars acquiring them. And as we show in the paper as well, those particular licenses seem like the kinds you would want to have if you wanted to do this kind of strategy of strategically withdrawing some supply from the auction to drive up closing prices. So we think they're, the fact that they chose to acquire particular sets of stations was very consistent with the story that they're trying to um, take advantage of the rules of the auction to increase their own profits. Yeah, so I, you know, there's been a lot of press coverage on uh, on these private equity firms buying up TV stations. And a lot of people have speculated that they're trying to flip these stations in the auction for a profit. Um, but, you know, we think that there is really more going on in the sense that they will really try to take advantage of the rules of the auction to drive up the closing price. And that could have very big consequences, as the paper shows. One of the things in the research paper that caught my attention was uh, your contention that even withholding a single license from the auction can have a large effect on the closing price. Can you explain why? Sure. So um, basically, uh, this comes to the idea of when we construct the kind of supply of broadcast licenses, um, the SC is going to need some number uh, of licenses to be kind of surrendered. And the point is that if that kind of number that they need is at a point in the supply curve where the supply curve is very steep, it means that the closing price in the auction is going to go up by a lot, even if you withdraw a single station. So uh, in the paper, we construct this and we show there are many kind of local markets where it looks like, indeed, that supply curve is very steep. It is not steep in every market around kind of the expected demand level, but in the markets where it is, um, a single uh, withdrawal of a broadcast license could, say, double the closing price uh, on a normalized basis for Spectrum in that market. So actually, let me, let me just add a little bit on, on that point. Um, you know, the, these price increases obviously come out of an economic model that we write down. And, you know, what else could we do? Because the auction hasn't taken place. So we need a model. And the model we use is very, very simple relative to how complicated the overall incentive auction is going to be in practice. And so we make a couple of assumptions here. Uh, that we should probably just highlight. One is the assumption that uh, the demand for licenses is in fact completely inelastic. So the FCC just goes into a market and says, well, we need to buy back six licenses in this market. And so, of course, that's going to 
make the FCC more exposed to price increases in our model. And we also make a few other assumptions in, in, in the model that might contribute to those large numbers that we find. So, you know, I think we really want this uh, understood more as a worst case scenario. Things could get really bad. Um, but, you know, maybe we all get lucky and, and things won't go uh, quite as badly as, 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 as they might, according to our model. I think the the one the one thing that gives us a bit of pause, um, as uh, Ulrich said, that we're kind of assuming demand is inelastic, but at the same time, right now projections are that the forward auction to the wireless carriers will raise, say, about $45 billion, uh, and the reverse auction, uh, the payouts to the TV holders, is about estimated to be around a third of that. So there's a lot of, uh, in some sense, headroom for the price to go up in the reverse auction w- before the auction fails, right? We don't actually think that the auction will kind of collapse because of this behavior. Um, but that said, we're talking still about a change in total payouts of billions of dollars, and, and that matters. Your, your paper also touches on uh, the market concentration of TV stations. Can you give us a sense of why that is important here? Sure. So what's what's interesting is that uh, you might say, well, how can you uh, own a bunch of TV stations in a market? You know, shouldn't there be kind of antitrust rules against that? Uh, and in fact, there are regulations on concentration of broadcast licenses in markets. But what's interesting is those those regulations were written because uh, around the concern of we don't want you to be able to monopolize the advertising market. So those rules say things like you can't own multiple major network affiliates in the same market. Uh, and that's great. That's a very effective way to prevent anyone from gaining too much market power in, say, the advertising market. However, those rules don't speak nearly as much to uh, owning multiple, say, independent uh, stations or, you know, affiliates of minor networks. So what we see is that the firms that were, or sorry, the licenses that are being acquired by these private equity firms were often affiliates of, say, MeTV or My Network TV, one of these kind of chains that really shows a lot of, you say, Seinfeld reruns and I Love Lucy. These were not the major network affiliates. They don't have a ton of market power in the advertising market, but it turns out they do have a lot of market power when it comes to spectrum. And so there was kind of a mismatch in terms of the regulation. There was, there was regulation to prevent you from accumulating market power in the business of broadcasting, but not in just pure spectrum holdings. And uh, in the paper, you use Philadelphia as a case study. Um, can you uh, kind of give us more details about that and what you found out? Sure. So, uh, you know, it's easy to look close to home, for example. So we, we, we did a kind of deep dive on the Philadelphia market to look at uh, at what might happen. And the reason we did that is because, A, there are a lot of TV licensees, but B, expected demand is very high. There are a lot of interlocking markets nearby. So TV stations in Philadelphia can interfere with stations in Baltimore and Harrisburg and New York and other places. So it's a kind of a complicated place. Uh, and it, so it, for that reason, it's expected that the FCC will want to buy back a lot of licenses in Philadelphia. Uh, and on top of that, this is a market where two of those private equity firms have been active in buying licenses. And so what we do um, to kind of highlight the mechanism is we show for Philadelphia some of our simulations on what can happen uh, and basically the incentives that are in place for some of these private equity firms to perhaps withdraw some of their licenses from the auction to drive up the closing price. And so in, in Philadelphia, um, we highlight that actually under some scenarios, we see both, uh, or sorry, two of the three private equity firms choosing to withdraw one of their two licenses each from the auction. And the result of that is, is a large increase in the closing price, which they each find uh, individually profitable, uh, and they both would like to do that. Uh, interestingly, though, they also benefit every other license holder that's selling into the auction at the same time. They create what we call you know, a positive externality on those other licensed sellers. And now they don't capture that externality. It goes to the other licensed sellers, but they capture enough of it with their remaining licenses that they're still willing to commit to this kind of a strategy. 
And uh, uh, you have a partial solution to this type of strategic bidding. And can you tell us about that? Sure. So we, we suggest a potential partial remedy to this. So obviously, you will never have a perfect remedy. There is no such thing as a perfect remedy to the situation because uh, all of these uh, TV license holders knows their true value and the auctioneer does not. And so there's no perfect way to solve this problem. But one thing we do is we basically leverage the fact that your, um, your personal uh, value of your own TV license should be correlated with um, things like how many people you can reach with your broadcast TV license. And all we do is we, we impose kind of a rule on ordering. We basically say you can't pull out a license uh, from the market first that has, uh, it's a technical term called broadcast volume, but think of it as that covers fewer people first. You can't say, I really, really want this really bad station more than my far better station. Uh, and that, all that really does is it kind of breaks a bit of the logic of the strategy that we, that we outlined in the first part of the paper. And it doesn't always work. As we say, it's a partial remedy. So in some cases, it can prevent the outcomes that we explored in the earlier part of the paper. Uh, and we actually return to the Philadelphia example to show how uh, in, uh, in some of our simulations, that, sl that small rule change does actually reverse kind of the logic and you get kind of a much better outcome from the FCC's perspective. So were you surprised with some of the conclusions of your paper, especially the magnitude of the, of the gains? Yeah, I think the magnitude of the gains were, were quite large. Um, there, were, there were a few surprising aspects, but the magnitudes were very large. Uh, on top of that, we were kind of surprised at how the two sides of the market were so different from one another. So, for example, the FCC is going to be paying zero for spectrum in large swaths of the country. Uh, at the same time, it will be reselling that spectrum for huge amounts of money to the wireless carriers. Contrast that with other parts of the country where the FCC will be paying huge amounts to broadcast TV licensees and you know, relatively less uh, on the other side, um, just given the kind of market characteristics. So I think it really puts into perspective the difference in usage from the TV side to the mobile broadband side. So to, to add to that a little bit, to me what was really surprising is just how well designed the auction is. You know, again, this is a really incredibly complicated process. It's never been done before. No one actually knew how to do this in the first place. So we think that the FCC has done, you know, remarkably well. There's just no question about that. How is your research different from other work in this area? It's actually very different from a lot of other work in this area. Um, the biggest difference I would have to say is that we're trying to do this analysis before the auction has happened. Uh, a, it's a prospective analysis or ex-ante analysis. Uh, typically, a lot of auction work is a bit more ex-post. So you've observed a bunch of things, and then you kind of do you, you analyze what would have happened if the rules had been different, for example. Uh, instead, we actually go at this ex-ante, and we try to construct these kind of true values for all um, participants uh, before the auction happens. So that would be the first big change. Um, how else would you contrast it? Yeah, I, I, I really think, I think that's really the main point. I mean, you know, obviously nobody else has sort of looked at this particular auction because it hasn't even happened. And so there is no data out there. Uh, so I think we're taking a first step at looking at something that's really important. There is, you know, big sums involved. And uh, nobody up to this point has any idea of how well it's going to work. And how will you follow up this research? Well, there is sort of, you know, the obvious uh, thing that we want to look at the data once the data becomes available. Now, this is going to be a few months into the future. But obviously, we want to know if our model, as simple as it is, you know, made the right predictions and if the things that we predict will happen uh, will actually come to pass. Yeah, I mean, what's important to, to note, right, is a big uh, input to our analysis is just the current ownership patterns that exist in the U.S., 
Um, so y- you could do the same analysis in a different setting and get a very different answer. Um, so, you know, we kind of leave that to future work to think about. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.